Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Shelly Billinghurst, and joined with me today is my co-host, Serge. Serge Boudreaux, how are you? I am doing fantastic. I do have a cold that I've gone oh. from my daughters, but we got COVID tested. We're all good. So good, it feels like good, we've good. seen this before. It's a continuous team having young daughters and and everything you catch everything so if my voice is scratchy on this podcast i'm sorry i'll, I'll try to make it better for next one but shelly 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 yes, so what i is heard it? a rumor Surge. oh what is it what did you hear i heard a rumor that you're winning some type of top woman mm. entrepreneur in canada oh. or you're nominated what is what is this tomfoolery that uh i hear <laughs> is this true yeah. Wow. Serge, you know, what, what is going on? Holy smokes. Yes. I was nominated by RBC Canadian women entrepreneurs award, which is a national competition. I guess you you're nominated. Uh, I was nominated by my business banking manager, and this is part of the women of influence awards, which is something, you know, I, I remember thinking, you know, wow, these, these women are really impressive. And so to even be considered kind of in the same group is like, pinch me like, wow. So yeah, I was, I was nominated and actually this is my first real announcement of my nomination. So it's not just a rumor. It's true. It's true. You seem to be hesitating to announce this as you're talking about it. You seem a little bit shy in that sense. So well, I'm you know why that is. Yeah, Serge, you know, I think it I think as women, you know, and and so many people were impacted this year by COVID. I love the fact that we're still celebrating the fact that business does continue entrepreneurs and kind of our resilience as entrepreneurs, men or women. So I think my hesitation is I know so many people haven't done well through or their businesses maybe not had survived had not survived the lockdowns and the the covid and the added cost to doing business so i think you know, maybe yeah you know i am a little hesitant to wave too much of a flag but you know i've got great people around me saying oh yeah wave your flag <laughs> so yeah let's let's celebrate yeah. this in that Thank sense you. And i think that's and i know it's been a tough year for everyone so don't get me wrong in that sense yeah, but also it has. Everyone has to celebrate their wins and everyone needs to celebrate other people's wins in that sense. That's how communities are built. That's how people succeed. Bring the people up. So congratulations. Thank you. I'm assuming there is, I, I don't know what the criteria was. There was there's gotta be something. There must be some desperation that your name came <laughs> up and you won, but hey, congrats. You're so sweet, Serge. It's I know I'm yeah, just when, so charming hey, it's, in that. It's sense. gotta be legit if your bank manager nominates you. So so really? yeah, it is, it's been, you know, or they want more money too, just well, they get money. enough of it. They, they get enough of it. They Perfect. do. Like my banking fees. <laughs> yes, I do pay an awful lot in banking fees, but it's, so, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I feel very, very honored. Well, you should be. So it's been a little while since me and you have done a podcast just together. And I, we have some topics to go through. I think in reality, the world of recruiting right now is 
absolutely insane. I think that makes a difference, but it is insane. But what I'm really intrigued by and want to get your sense before we go to the topics is what are you thinking as far as the recruiter market? The recruiter market is heating up dramatically as last year was a really tough year across the board. Have you seen the same? Yes. The recruitment teams that I'm talking to on a daily are saying that they are, well, uh, I think the every recruiter's motto is I'm so busy. I'm so busy, but it is the volume is staggering. You know, the other, the other thing they're seeing is people changing jobs, you know, so where's the volume coming from? Is it a matter that, that people are adding, like these are net new roles or is it seasonal work? It's really across the board. I think both seasonal work and replacements and the competition to hire recruiters, especially good recruiters, because guess who, who was the first to get the ax recruiters, right? When COVID started last year. And, and so now companies, and we knew like we've seen this happen time and time again with different economic impacts. I think they are, companies are struggling to find great talent acquisition people. Yeah, I think this is an opportune time for recruiters to look at other industries that they maybe are not familiar with. It's a good time to make that transition because there is a demand for recruitment in pretty much every type of verticals out there. So if you wanted to get in tech, this is maybe the good time to get in tech. Or if you want to get in manufacturing or whatever, if you want to change for a recruiter, might not be a bad time to look at it. But it's interesting that you mentioned, and I want this to be our first topic, is Yes, a lot of people are are looking for other jobs. Turnover rates across different industries right now are the highest that I think mm-hmm. I've ever seen it. And I think it's partly pent up demand. A lot of people don't want to change jobs during uh, a pandemic. But I think what's happening too is there's a lot of burnout out there. One of the things that I read and I thought was interesting, 64% of Americans right now that are employed are looking for other jobs. What do you think is driving that, Shelley? Do you know, I, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that sounds low to me from people that I'm talking to. And these would be leaders in other organizations. So, you know, so one thing we know from being in recruitment is that a percentage of that percentage is people who are always looking, right? They're always like they would change jobs. They'd go across the street for, you know, 10 cents more an hour. Right. So take that out of the equation. What is so shocking about that, the, that number is I think it's higher for one thing. And the other is you touched on it a moment ago. You said that people are burnt out. I think the other part of that is, you know, what percentage of companies are saying whether we're coming back to the office and people are like, why would I ever want to do that again? Or we're not coming back to the office and people are like, I am starved for real life face-to-face interaction with my colleagues. And I love the people I work with. Right. So if Mm -hmm. you're going to make them, I think those two factors are influencing a lot of people. And the other is this, when we were faced with a pandemic. So many industries weren't prepared. They didn't have like a pandemic response plan. They just didn't, right? So they reacted almost like every man for himself. And, you know, the ship is sinking and I've got the life raft and 
you know what? I'll push you overboard <laughs> to save myself. And I, I, I know that I'm laughing, but it's true. I think a lot of companies didn't think about, well, others saving my own skin. Mm-hmm. And people don't forget that. Yeah, yeah, People no, will I not agree. forget how they were treated. I think one of the things that we're seeing is a lot of companies, to your point, weren't ready for the pandemic. And what's caused with that is, well, no one was ready for the pandemic. So let's just put that in perspective. So I'm not blaming companies in any ways, but also they weren't prepared for remote work, which has caused a couple of things. So everyone hates meetings. Everyone hates meetings when you're face-to-face in the same room, but there is a social element to those meetings that Zoom meetings have not replaced. So Zoom meetings have been proving to be a lot more tiring because you're not getting the social aspect that you would, would in a sense. Mm-hmm. So companies are having a, a really hard time keeping those people engaged. They haven't really still figured out how to do work without having to have several meetings on the same thing on something that could be a Slack message or an email or whatever the case is. I think that's causing a lot of people to be tired. And the other factor is people are actually working a ton more. On average, people are working three or more hours a week than they did going into the office. So, and and going to your earlier point, a lot of people want to go in the office, maybe Mm -hmm. not full time. I think really the hybrid model is going to be the model that's going to work. Yeah, Yeah. I think you predicted that early on. Yeah, well, and, and the other yeah. thing is, people don't mind going into the office. You know what people hate? It's a commute. It's yeah. a time going in the office, a time going back and losing two hours a day on average. I think that's a factor. Mm-hmm. But in reality, I think just some people are, I've seen how the pandemic, how they were treated or how they treated their colleagues. And they're like, loyalty is out the window. I'm going to find the best possible opportunity. And, and think about it, like a life, changing thing like a pandemic and it makes you refocus what's important in life Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. if you've been doing a job that you've hated for 10 years be like this is a friggin' time you know what i am going to take care of myself more now i am going to find the right opportunity so i think that's affected as well but question for you on that end how can companies avoid the high turnover in this type of environment how can they avoid it? So first of all, before we go into that, I just wanted to say, like, as I listen to you um, talk about this, that's why I think, you know, the stat that I heard yesterday coming out of this is out of California. So keep in mind, it's California, four out of five people are actively looking for another job to work elsewhere, four out of five. So I think that's probably closer. And and I don't think we're being fear mongers here. We're just simply saying that is the reality. I think it's, it. we don't need to overcomplicate it. If you simply ask people, what's important to you? Imagine, Serge, if your leader came to you and said, tell me the top three things that are important to you. I mean, it's a retention conversation, right? If If nobody has even said a word to you, other than we're going to bring down a policy, that policy will state, you must report to the office from eight to four, Monday to Friday. How would you feel? Like, is that not a recipe to get people to walk out the door? They may not leave on Monday, but let me tell you, they're out looking at who's hiring. They absolutely are. Oh, I I completely agree. I think this is a factor as well. 
a lot of CEOs, and we've talked about this, are in that generation that they've never really worked remotely, don't know how to manage it. Being in the office is absolutely critical to know that you've been working. Those people that are forcing people to come back in the office as nothing happened in 2020 are going to be screwed. They're going to be screwed. They're going to lose a ton of people. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that employees are looking for is flexibility. So I'm not saying the companies that are going to be asking people to come in the office sporadically or giving them the option right. of hybrid. I think they're going to be in a really good position, but also that's not going to be the end all of everything because recruiting has been tougher in the last little while because companies that were offering, say, remote work as their kind of key thing, uh, that option is out the window as far as everyone I know in the tech space but other sectors are offering that. So the competitive advantage has been crazy. But I think the other factor why people are actively looking, the market's hot. The market is extremely hot and it's going to get hotter across multiple sectors, multiple verticals. It's going to get worse. So when there's people throwing money at you and recruiters are calling you, I think it makes you think of, okay, maybe it is a time for a change. But I thought one of the interesting elements though, and this is where we see are really a difference is people that are making less than 60,000 a year, unemployment has actually gone up compared to those making 60,000 or more, unemployment has gone down. Like these people are Mm. way more employed than they ever have been. So, and that tells me a little bit where the power is as far as the knowledge workers are in a really ideal situation right now as far as the options they can have in the market compared to retail, those types of roles that are extremely important, but there is less options for those people and they're still in a position that they need to stay at that job, which in reality kind of sucks if they want to make that move. There's less options for them. Interesting stat and using a compensation as kind of that watermark or measuring point on employment rates. I think that's very interesting. I don't know if I would necessarily point to just retail. I would say hourly workers or hourly work in general. That is the less stable, of course, environments because they are, there's a reason that employers have an hourly paid workforce, right? Usually. But let's talk a little bit, you know, I'm really interested to talk a little bit more about, you know, when, when we talk about what recruiters can do. And yeah, it, it's a hot market for so many skills and not, not just tech, but also it's a really hot market for you know, say heavy equipment operators that can pass a drug screen. <laughs> I know that yeah, sounds yeah. crazy, but they really make, they also make very, very good money. So what do you think are some of the things like when you're leading your team, Serge, what are some of the things that you are coaching your recruiters to do to make sure that we can compete for yeah, the talent that our organization needs? We're in a situation right now that candidates are getting multiple offers at once. Like I've had Mm -hmm. over 20 in the last couple of weeks that they had multiple offers as we're offering them. And that's the market is hot. And so this is why as recruiters, I think is extremely important as you're first of all uh, sourcing them. And then as you're walking them through the process, each individual interview, it's absolutely critical that you overcome objections as you go. So when you get to the offer stage, Basically, it's a done deal. 
and we don't do this very well across the board. And I'm seeing offer acceptance rate being the lowest they've ever been in the recruitment space. I've seen some organization that they're getting 70% of their offers rejected, which- Why do you uh, think that is, Serge? Like, well, I think it's two what factors. Are the, yeah, what would you point to? Well, I think it's just when you have multiple offers, it puts a lot of competition out there. And some companies are just throwing a ton of money, even though they're maybe not the best place to work, but they're compensating that by almost in certain cases, 40, 50% more than the other competitors. So that's making candidates think twice and be like, yeah. well, that's a lot of money. I, I might want to consider that even though it's maybe not the most ideal job. And we all know that's always a bad idea. Never make a decision just strictly on money. But I think the other factor too is there is a lot coming at them. So, and there is risk as far as the candidate as far as sometimes taking the bird in the hand is most critical because you don't know if the other offers are going to disappear or not come in as you're going through several interviews with different companies. This is where the recruiter really steps in, where you're going to make a difference is, so say you do the first screen interview, you go through, you find as a recruiter, they potentially a good candidates. You start closing right away. being like, okay. Oh, our, that, that is music to my ears. From yeah. our discussion. Yeah. Yeah, good. Anything that good would advice. hold you back of joining this particular company, then they might not say something, but they're going to start thinking about it. And they might say minor things that you think are minor things, but they might be major things for them. Mm-hmm. And you start overcoming those objections again. They meet with the hiring manager and you need to train to a hiring manager to do the same because hiring managers sometimes have the yeah. fact that this person would be so fortunate if I chose them then in reality, they don't know that they don't hold the power. So you need to train them on what the reality of the market is. But call that candidate after the interview and find out if there's objections. And and, and simple words like this, is there anything holding you back if we offered you this role? And they might say, well, I, I, I would love to, but I'm working with this other company as well. So now that uncovers, okay, you're in competition, uh, which maybe they would not have divulged before. Or yeah. maybe they'll say, I, I'm a little bit worried about this aspect. I don't know if I'm going to be successful. Then you can assess that out, have that discussion, be like, okay, if we could work that out, it looks good for you. Then say the final interview, exactly the same thing. At the end of the interview, one of the questions you ask as far as based on, we're very interested in moving forward to the next step. Just want to get a sense of anything that would uh, preclude you from accepting mm-hmm. this offer. So it's exactly the same that salespeople do, which is exactly overcoming objections throughout the sales process. So when you get to the end, it's a done deal. Basically, you just need to figure out the, the minutia and the details and they sign the contract. We don't do that as recruiters. And I think that's absolutely critical. Closing through the process in this market is way more important than any other time because in most reality, they're holding the power. So yep. we gotta make sure. And even if they weren't holding the power, you should still be doing this because no one likes to get blindsided. And it's happened to me a couple of times this week already that I got blindsided by people that we were sure were going to become employees. Then it, it comes out that they actually didn't have the correct visa to work with us. That should never happen. I mean, you think about how busy our hiring managers mm-hmm. are right now. 
they don't want to be wasting our time. And if we waste our time, we lose credibility. So yeah, that's my advice right now with as far as you're not going to be able, the offer acceptance rates are going to drop for everyone because the market is so competitive. But the way you minimize it is exactly in that way. I don't know. Does that make sense to you, Shelly? It does. One other tip I would love to give to our audience is when you've done that post interview, so say they've interviewed with the hiring manager and you've debriefed with the candidate, you understand like, you know, if you had this and another offer, what are, what are the factors that will help you choose which offer to take? Then you give that information back to your hiring manager. How powerful would it be that the hiring manager addresses their concerns in that final offer? I've always coached hiring managers. They need to be the ones to close. Because if I've brought you, like we think about the sales process, and I love that analogy to the sales process. If I did all the work to find this lead, qualify the lead, they're ready to buy. They want to buy what we have. Who's the closer? The hiring manager is the closer. Yeah. They need to be the ones to say, you know, I, and, and if they, if your hiring managers can address the concerns or questions that, you know, at the end of the day, this is who I'm going to be reporting to. The hiring manager's job is less so about interviewing the person as it is about closing them, right? Because you've already done the work. <laughs> we already know they're qualified. We know they're interested. Now it's up to you, Mr. Hiring Manager. You got to close the deal. But in reality, too, it's our job as a recruitment team to help them because not all hiring managers are comfortable in closing or in sales and depending on the mentality they're at. So it's on us, the recruiters, to give the tools to the hiring managers to be able to do this. And that means giving them the information to your point of what they need to know to be able to like, first of all, create that urgency, create the reasons why they should work there. So yeah, I think we're on the same page on that. And one yeah. other thing that we're talking about hiring managers, and one of the things that I've been finding interesting is, is putting pay rages on your job advertisement. Mm. Uh, we talked about this a couple of times. We talked about it with Lori mm -hmm. Rudiman. She has very strong viewpoints. A lot of people in HR and recruitment have a very, very strong viewpoints that you should be doing it. But but that's not always going up to the higher levels and they're not exactly on the mm. same page. And I'm seeing a lot of that. So I think your opinion is going to be yes. I think my opinion is going to be yes. But the question is for us and people listening mm -hmm. is how do we bring that up to senior management and how do we convince them? So yeah, do you, first of all, do you agree that, you should be putting your pay range. And secondly, any advice on how you deal with senior management and build that case for them? It is, it is an older, what I find, I think we're 50-50 split. Do I believe that you should advertise the, the pay range? Absolutely, you should. Save yourself a whole lot of problems and heartache. Because like you said, if somebody's, if somebody's going to be interviewing, say, six different companies, and one of them has outbid you by 50%, well, that's a no-brainer. Like save everybody a whole ton of time. Because if that is completely out of our ability to pay somebody 50% more, because there's much more at play than just simply, you know, offer counter offer. 
somebody says, I'll take it, but my other offer is like $50,000 a year more. Can you match it? Well, that's a yes or no. Well, you just wasted a whole ton of time. Whereas if you had your pay range and a realistic pay range, if you had it advertised from the start, then you know. Now, I know exactly what senior executive leaders are going to say. If we reveal our pay rate, we're at a disadvantage because our competitors will simply come in and outbid us. And that just drives up the market. So Serge, in your experience, does that actually happen? Like when you advertise pay rates, do your talent competitors, because we're not talking consumer competitors, but your talent competitors, do they just simply swoop in and say, oh, well, I'll pay, you know, $25,000 more. What's your well, experience? Well, to be completely transparent, yeah. I've never been able to convince my senior leaderships to advertise the pay range. So I'll put that out there first. It's not that I haven't tried. And I have some advice on that end. And I, because maybe I haven't succeeded yet, but I've gone really close and I think I'm going to get there fairly quickly. But the biggest issue that I've seen with senior executives is the market is hotter than what we pay people now. So to get, say, a software dev that we hired five years ago compared to a new one in the market, there is a paid discrepancy as far as how much we pay them then and how we pay them now. Then companies are looking at me like, holy cow, if we bring everyone to the level of where it is now, that's going to cost us millions and they're very hesitant. So they're playing a very dangerous game. I'm not saying this is right, but this is what in their mind, going to the board and being like, hey guys, we're going to pay an additional 5 million just because we need to bring people up to that pay range. It's a lot easier just not to have paid transparency, which in the long run will affect us. But we're in the world of quarterly earnings and quarterly reporting, which is very short-sighted and causes the challenge with senior management. So but putting that all aside, here's my advice and how I've pushed it. Yeah. It hasn't been successful, so please take it, but I'm getting there. <laughs> it doesn't work, but we're working on it. <laughs> I'm working on it. So awesome. They are going to be forced to be doing it in the short, I would say, and within the next five years, I think we're going to see that transparency uh, happen across the board because it's going to be legislated. I think it's going to be legislated in a ton of areas we're seeing in Colorado. So we better be ready for it. The other thing, and I think this is the most important, they don't understand. So we all advertise our jobs, right? Google for jobs right now has an insane amount of traffic, especially the pandemic has increased our traffic dramatically. If you're putting your pay ranges, you're actually ranking way better on Google for jobs than you are if you don't. And we're going to start seeing this with Indeed and all the other players as well, because they're pushing for pay transparency because it actually, if you think about it, if your main market is candidates, which is what Indeed, LinkedIn and Google for jobs, they want to make it easier for them. And I commend that, that they're doing that. So for companies to be competitive in how, where your jobs are distributed, you need to. You That's have, a you really good point. That's a really, really good point, Serge. Wow, I hadn't really thought of that. You know me, I'm always thinking about the candidate experience. So if I'm someone who, you know, if I'm trying to decide where to apply, and I can see that this organization, it's within a reasonable range that I would actually consider changing jobs and going to work there. Just save me a whole bunch of time. Because well, the other I'm factor not... 
so how many times have we seen, and I just saw this just recently, senior accountant. And then I look at the job description and they're asking for somebody with like a CPA and one year of experience. Like what, what, like, how is that a senior accountant with one year post CPA experience? Like that's not senior. So candidates are smart, right? Like we are like people, people are like, consider that people are smart and they actually can look at this and say, this makes no sense at all. So, you know, you've got your head up your ass. If you think somebody with one year of experience is going to apply for a senior accountant role, like, okay. And you're going to pay me a senior accountant rate and I've got one year experience. No, all that tells me is that you don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah. Like, you're so confused. You don't even know what you want. And the other, honestly, I will say I've seen smaller employers start to advertise their pay rates in order to compete for talent. But what we also know, Serge, is that that doesn't mean that's what they're going to pay you. Everybody thinks, so they advertise a pay range, say it's 75 to 80,000. And then you get through the process and they say, well, you don't quite have this qualification. The offer is now 55. I've talked to candidates where that is actually happening. So just to get you to apply, they advertise a really high rate. They get you to apply, but that's not what they're going to offer you. Yeah, no, I've seen that too. The other factor in this is where the senior executives really don't care, but it affects recruiters dramatically is the amount of time that is wasted by recruiters by scheduling a call, having that screen to find out that they're totally out of range. And believe it or not, a lot of recruiters don't even talk about salary during the first conversation. I do. It's, it's oh, how could you not? Yeah, it's, it's oh, one of the no. first things I talk about. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, here is going to be the range of the job. Does this match? If it doesn't, that's cool. Like, no issues. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be wasting your time in that end. That's how I'm avoiding not the ability to actually be transparent on our job advertising, what our pay rate is. It's it's my first phone call to them. And within Straight up. two minutes, Straight up. it's like, this is the range. So I'm not wasting my time. So if you're a recruiter and you're waiting later in the process, you potentially are wasting a ton of time for the candidate and a ton of time for you. So let's let's be a little bit more transparent when it comes to the pay rate, at least in a conversation if your, your company is not open to, to advertising it. But senior executives better get on board of this and line up their business to be ready for it because it's going to be legislated to do this. Like we're seeing it across the board. And yeah. also, if it's not legislated, you're going to be at a major disadvantage when it comes to advertising your jobs. Yeah, um, I agree. Do you know, I think I'd be a little stronger in my language to recruiters in that if you're not qualifying that your pay range is is suitable for the candidate, you have no business even moving that candidate forward to wait later on in the process like it's it's just playing mind games is all it is. Like to me, I think it's, it's really disrespectful. You're just playing mind games, hoping that, you know, you can lure them in, but all you're really doing is being disrespectful of everybody's time. So, you know, I've actually, I would even say have disciplinary conversations with recruiters if they are not making sure that this candidate fits our compensation range. Never put them in front of the hiring manager without knowing that. No, I agree. I agree. 
So I think we gave the audience quite a few tips of things that are really relevant in the workplace right now. So looking forward to what's coming up next on the recruitment flex, we've got tons of guests that we're booking. So please keep listening in. And also for the listeners that I'd really like to get your input after our interview with Matt Wedge from uh, about video interviewing. So one way Uh video interviewing. How you guys feel? Uh, I think Shelly's converting, but Shelly is a little bit too stubborn to ever admit <laughs> that she's wrong. So I don't think you'll ever admit it, even though in this clearest day, I think you, you'll never admit that I'm right. So let's just. Well, no, no, it's not right or well. Yes, no, I won't. I won't admit that you're right. And and I would say I would love to get some audience feedback. I've gotten some feedback on the interview with Matt and Wedge, and I actually think I'm getting more support for why this is just, it still remains a bad idea. One way video. Getting more support, really? I do. Yep. Oh, yeah. So you're talking to a bunch of... uh, No, no, no. Don't go there, Serge. Don't go there. I know you're going to say boomers. (laughs) No, that's not true. I'm actually talking to to people and, and I've gotten some comments and feedback saying, well done. Thank you for actually advocating on behalf of the fact that most recruiting teams, not not the ones that you lead, Search. I get that. I disagree because everyone I've heard has given me exactly the opposite feedback in that sense. Especially <laughs> We've got Team Shelley and Team Surge. <laughs> I, I've had candidates tell me, actually reach out to me being like, honestly, I'd much rather do a one-way interview than talk to someone because in reality... I'm way less nervous about it. So anyways, we've got a ton of guests. We've got more we HR do. tech coming. We are going to be releasing two episodes a week starting April. So please look forward to that. You'll be hearing from Shelly and Serge every week on Fridays. Then we haven't determined where our interviews are going to be. But so more content, you guys are asking for it. And I appreciate everyone listening. So on that note, Shelly, any parting words? Well, thanks for another great episode, Serge. I love getting back to our roots and talking about our experience and leaving some really good practical tips for recruiters and and for our colleagues in talent acquisition. So thank you so much. Have a great day. Have a great week. Thanks. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.